When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We went to get coffee the first morning, and it was just Alex and I. And Alex and I, or Alex was like, I'm going to get a latte. And I was like, all right, I'll get a cappuccino or whatever. And Alex ordered a latte. And it was just, and, the, and what he got was just milk. <laughs> just just hot milk. Just Took me a few sips milk. to realize. I was like, oh, I must be cutting through the foam at the top. Just like, no. No, when you order a latte there. Did they just forget? Or no, what? when you order a latte there, that's what it is. Latte just translates to milk in Italian. It's like ordering leche. Mm. But it was you on know? the list of mm. coffee drinks, just like normal. And I was like, yeah. Great. And the guy was like, all right, latte. Yeah. But you have to order a latte with <laughs> coffee, like with and you know, and then I went back and got an espresso, spilled half of it, and then poured the rest of it in the milk and had a pretty good drink. Perfect. Yeah. Nailed it. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly. For your business paper needs or dundermip. Then the people purchase paper people dundermip. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office, by fans of The Office. I'm your host and appointed HR rep, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Jane's ping pong master. And with us as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Mr. Scott, do you realize you just contradicted yourself? I did. Yes, you did. Can I go to the bathroom? No, I really have to. I've been drinking lots of water. You went five minutes ago. That wasn't to go to the bathroom. That was to get out of a question. You still have to answer it. First, can I go to the bathroom? No. (laughs) Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. Uh, This week we'll be talking about The Deposition from season four. Uh, and then we'll head to the conference room where we'll answer answer some questions from our Discord um, about uh, about the deposition and about uh, our our episode last week where we drafted alter egos. Um, but before we get into all that, a little housekeeping at the top. Uh, you got anything for us, Alex? It's uh, we're coming here into mid June. We've which means we've got a uh, Patreon mailbag coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, that we got to get done. Yeah. And if you want to hear that, that we get if you want to hear that, you're going to have to become a tot. Okay. You're going to have to. Now, if you are a tot, you have years of these mailbags uh, for, for only $5 at your fingertips. You're also getting ad free content. You're also ad free content, ad free episodes. You're getting <laughs> bonus content. Our, uh, our extra drops, our extra little series about uh, TV shows such as Party Down. Uh, Ted Lasso, White Lotus. Uh, anyway, all sorts of extra things like that. You get to join our monthly uh, 
donation as well uh, as part of your fees. And and on honestly, you also receive um, you receive a medal in the mail, a pure <laughs> gold medal, enshrining is, you into the Scots Tots that, that not, you should hang above on your mantle place. It's solid gold. It's the most expensive thing this honest. show does. Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines wedding as the fusion of two metals with a hot torch. And uh, all of our tar metals, gold medals. <laughs> We're back uh, in our uh, our home countries uh, for now, Edwin. Uh, but, uh, but, anyway, <laughs> but anyways, let's get into today's episode, guys. Uh, this is The Deposition, uh, Season 4, Episode 12. It aired on November 15th in 2007. Uh, this episode was written by Lester Lewis. Uh, rest in peace to Lester Lewis, uh, writer from Flight of the Concords and The Larry Sanders Show, um, two shows that I love very much. And uh, I mean, learning that, got to have a great deal of respect for him. Uh, those, I, I mean, I think I've mentioned it before. I absolutely love The Larry Sanders Show. I think that's like one of the best sitcoms out there um mm-hmm. and uh so if you ever uh, are in the mood to check that out i highly recommend it uh he also lester lucas you said is the name uh, lewis. Lester, lester lewis lester lewis that's an yeah. awesome that's an uh, awesome that's a great jazz name <laughs> uh he wrote customer survey as well uh he also appeared in uh, in Branch Wars. He is, I believe, he's the salesman who Michael calls uh, at the at uh, uh, at Karen's branch. Ben and Nugent. then, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, nice. I think Lester and, Lewis uh, is also the uh, original, one of the first, like if that uh, as the show was getting started, one of the early writers in that group. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah, he I was a. A consulting uh, producer for the for the first four seasons, I think. Um, it, I think he's also he's he's also the um, Michael's neighbor in Dinner Party. It's a deleted scene, and I think it relates to uh, when Jan is like graffitiing the yeah she spray paints uh, dog profanity on the neighbor's dog. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is when we meet. Um, Super healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, what a ridiculous storyline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this episode was also directed by uh, Julian Farino, uh, who also directed Back from Vacation. Uh, that's the only other episode he directed, which is interesting, interesting. because uh, we get the uh, we get the photograph. He loves in- that photo. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That photo's on set. Get me on that set. Uh this is, he's an interesting guy too. He was the sports editor for the Guinness Book of World Records, and he directed many episodes of Entourage and some Sex in the City. And he was Entourage. a and he was a a documentary filmmaker for for a long time, and would do documentaries about psych wards and and boxers and drag queens, and so he's a, a an interesting an interesting dude. Uh, so. That's uh, that's the deposition, Edwin. That's the Lester Lewis Radio Hour right there. <laughs> Edwin, why why are we talking about the deposition this week? I think the deposition is just one that always stands out as being really funny and really unique and really different. It's one where Michael is um, 
held accountable for all of his speech, which is to say that someone is recording him and they can run back the text whenever they need to or Mm -hmm. run back the transcript whenever they need to. Um, No major uh, life events or anything like that that kind of point us in the direction of this episode. Uh, We we were brainstorming. It was just we just thought, like, have we talked about this episode? It's one of the best. So uh, Mm -hmm. or it's a favorite, let's say. And we wanted to dip into it. It comes right before dinner party. So I feel like it's often it's often in that shadow. You, you kind of you kind of forget about it. But uh, again, it's like as far as the writing goes and some of the comedic pacing and situations that happen, it's really unique. I absolutely love this episode um, in large part because of the, the the woman in the room doing the transcript. Just mm-hmm. like for having Michael interactions read back in a completely just transcript monotone way really works for me uh <laughs> and this is an episode where like edwin said it's almost like every everything that's happened between michael and Je- everything in the past two seasons kind of just goes through this very legal paper shredder that's very unromantic and very procedural and uh ha- putting michael in that scenario is just is is perfect i think I, also I, uh oh yeah Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love how dark this episode is. It's it's yes. I mean, this is truly one of the darker episodes of The Office, uh, especially I mean, the extended cut. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff they include. Very. I true. mean, this was some of the spiciest extra content that I've seen yet on the extended cuts. I got to say the things that they chose to cut. Good, good choice to cut them. But boy, oh, boy, did I love uh, love the darkness they provided. <laughs> Look at you guys just em- embracing the darkness. Um, <laughs> I the other thing uh, just that, giddy with excitement <laughs> that this episode uh, gives us is the ping pong dynamic, the ping pong table, um, yeah. and it's an element that's like in a way it, it felt very iconic at the time. I don't feel like as if it's that iconic now, but I remember in the season no. four DVDs, like a lot of it was built around the, the menus are all built around the uh, the ping pong table and. Uh, Mm. it's just like a mm. funny enduring element and uh it's easy to forget i think when you think about like the entire yeah. show because it's not like they go back to it but uh it is like a very very uh unique instance of um the makeshift tell ping me, pong table in the conference room you could have said you know like okay the the ping pong b storyline what episode what's the main storyline in that now it wouldn't be if i hadn't seen this episode in a while it'd be like i don't remember because it just is so divorced from the other part of this episode yeah um and it's not it's not great like it's not the best like the other the a storyline does is as makes this one of the my one of more my, my favorite episodes just on its own um i love ping pong i mean edwin and i are going to get into this we, mm-hmm. we we play a lot of ping pong when we're at a house that mm-hmm. has a table um and I, I took a lot of notes about the ping pong itself throughout this episode, but it's it's totally inconsequential to everything else going on. The Pam Kelly beef is weird, feels kind of forced, but like I don't know, the ping pong's fun. I we get I, to see kind of in the extended cut, you get to see all the characters kind of play ping pong and like have a reaction to it, and it's kind of fun watching them cycle in and out of it. I I really like the ping pong uh, B storyline. I think it's a it's a it's a very good balance for the the heavy, heavy A storyline in this episode. And um and you know, I I I it's uh it's got a really beautiful message, you know. I if if only the leaders of of the world would uh you know be like Pam and Kelly. 
and stop sending our our boys and girls to war and settle their differences themselves at the ping pong table. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Preach. Preach, Sean. Yeah. Visa Kapoor, 2024. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also really like the ping pong storyline. I think it's a good example of when Michael is gone, um, the rest of the office has a little bit of fun. But it's at a point in the show where in the in the early seasons, it's like Office Olympics. So Michael and Dwight are mm-hmm. out to look at the condo, and Jim is trying to get everyone to play games. But there's also this kind of tension of like, should they play games or should they just continue to work? Kind of. And um, Jim is able to kind of rouse everyone into into having fun. But it's like very much um, an exception. As soon as Michael comes back, they all kind of want to snap back to their jobs. And in the later parts of the show, it kind of feels like they can do whatever the hell they want all the time. You know, <laughs> like any day they can just kind of do whatever they need to do. And, and it's fine because it's just the tone of the show, the way the show has kind of been in like the really late seasons. Um, it doesn't feel like Andy is gone for three months, whatever. Um, things just kind of seem to work for them. But this is a nice time where Michael is gone and they can do something kind of fun. And it doesn't seem to have a ton of crazy consequences that they are playing ping pong during the workday. It's one of those things, too, that you can only have that happen when Michael isn't there. If Michael was there, he would ruin the ping pong. It mm-hmm. would not be fun. He would take the table over and would just <laughs> make a mess of it in the warehouse. And it, you just couldn't do this when mm-hmm. Michael was there. So it does fit. It does fit in that way. Well, that said, uh, should we jump into, into one of these storylines? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let, let's let's talk about the, the A storyline, the deposition. Um so, I mean, as you guys said, uh, this episode does um, uh, it uh, precedes dinner party. Uh, it's uh, we're we're in the heat of Michael and Jan are together, and Jan is sort mm-hmm. of you know sp- spiraling out of control. It seems like right. She's already this been is the fired. twilight. This is the twilight of their relationship. Uh, dinner party is the sun, you know, <laughs> exploding. Uh, this is this is the dying star that uh, Jan has said will collapse in on herself. This is this is the star beginning to fall right here. Um, yeah, it's I mean, Jan isn't spiraling yet. I mean, dinner party. I think she's this is her last time trying to hold it together for this because she stands to win four million dollars here. Like if this episode goes differently, like Jan is a different person for the rest of this show. Like Michael and Jan are on a whole different trajectory with four million dollars in their pocket. That's a lot of guacamole. Um, ta- Michael, it's tacky. One million dollars. Four million. I love how Jan is very willing to correct Michael that it's four million in front of the camera. Uh, but yeah, this is like the stakes are very, very high. Like, rarely in the office are the stakes this just financially high. It's kind of crazy. Mm. You know, Michael, Michael does say that's a lot of guacamole. And if there's one thing we know about Michael is that he makes guacamole in large quantities. <laughs> he makes way too much. Yeah. He knows. Uh, but it also begins with Michael being trained by Jan and exactly what to say. Um, so that nothing's left up to chance or Michael's judgment. He is very much just being, again, controlled by Jan, um, given very, very, uh, specific mm-hmm. directions. And, uh, like I love, um, like there's that sort of complicated back and forth about exactly what to say, and Michael's trying to use his mnemonic devices to figure out exactly how to remember how to say everything, and 
like there's that sort turn. of my friend Pat took a turn. Yeah. yeah. Is Ray specs and the behind neighbor. Um, but Does then that it work for you. Yeah. But then it ends with Michael insisted like the, the, the jump cut or the cut to Jan trying to reset her hair after they have to take the top down in the convertible. Like it's such a funny, silly juxtaposition of like rehearsing exactly what to say. And then like Jan's hair is all crazy. She has to, she has to fix it. Cause I, Michael says he's going to be car sick. Like, Mm-hmm. And he can't just roll down the window because Michael just really wants to have the top down because he thinks it's cool. And it's very that's funny because uh, it's like that's like Dwight where Dwight's like, can we take the top down? He's like, otherwise no one will see us. Right. So in, the, in that in that instance, uh, Michael is the Dwight. Similar to how later in the show, um, D'Angelo is talking about his son. He goes, but there I'm the Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> I am really like kind of impressed by Jan in this episode too. Like, I mean, where she is often very like, you know, uh, or, or or at least in episodes leading up to this, she's kind of like shown herself to be a little crazy. She is really holding it down. She's like, I mean, it's kind of nuts that she's even willing to put the top down on the convertible, like on her way to the deposition and that she's just like very calmly combing her hair in the in the lobby. But she just like she knows it's like this is all about Michael. I just got to get this guy to the church on time. Just (laughs) get him over the the finish line. Let's get this bag. Mm -hmm. Get him to the Dundies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um. Yeah, they get there. Uh, 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 Lester, the name of the of Jan's lawyer, Lester mm-hmm. Lewis, <laughs> named after him, him I'm sure. Um, you know, buttload of lawyers joke. I think it's a busload. And then uh, Ryan, you know, we still have corporate Ryan here trying to cut him off, you know, trying to glad hand Michael kind of not really not really rough him up necessarily, but kind of just give him the like, hey, you've like don't don't do bad by the company. Like do we you have a lot to lose here. This is such an interesting part to me because it's like, do you think that this is Ryan? Like, th- like there was some kind of meeting about this deposition, and people were, and everyone was like, "How are we going to convince like Michael to do the right thing to like not you know?" And I think Ryan was probably like, raise his hand. I can and talk to like, him. I, I I think I can get he'll, to him. He'll listen to me. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think one thing that's really interesting about I can get there about the normal cut versus the super fan cut is that in the super fan cut you get this little extra moment where Ryan asks to speak to Michael privately, and uh, Lester says it's probably not good to speak with anyone from Dunder Mifflin before the proceeding. And Ryan says, "Ah, no, Dunder Mifflin's grand business. Just two seconds, two minutes, strictly." Yeah. Um, yeah, but then as soon as they get the like the privacy, it is not that at all. Ryan says to Michael very um, flat out, and this is in the main cut. Janice put the company in a very difficult spot. You've been with the company a long time. Can we speak off the record as friends? So it is interesting the way that Ryan's that. trying to kind of um, not manipulate Michael, but love, yeah, to kind of that. set him up. Yeah, yeah, for uh, before the deposition, um, and and that a little extra um, scene that, that that is cut for the main episode just adds a different nuance to it. It's not the same. Um, it because it is my it is Ryan lying essentially about what he's going to tell Michael or talk to Michael about. Yeah, um, to set him up before the proceeding. But then, and then the other thing that happens so much in this, and we'll cover a lot of it, or, and hopefully all of it, is um, 
how much more we get in the super fan cut of Michael just writhing under the, the pressure of the deposition, like trying using it as an opportunity to tell jokes and and uh, just kind of struggling with with everything uh, that comes with being deposed. Yeah, Toby we get shows up opening to statement. Chagrin. Oh, the opening statement was so good, but he delivers it like such a. They, he delivers it part of the way through. They're like, "All right, we could take a break." Or like, "He, you'd like to deliver an opening statement," is what the judge says. Yeah, the, the mediator, the yeah. mediator is great in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, we get a lot yeah, more. This is a Michael movie, like yeah. in a this play. Is a, like in a play. This is a Michael movie moment. He's seen a ton of courtroom dramas, and he's just like, "Oh, this is legal, so there's going to be opening statements." I, I'd love to make one. This will be great. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> It's so he's just kind of thanking everyone vaguely, like does nothing happens. It's great. Is well, it like he, the kind of speech you give, like at at, at the roast? It kind of. I think he's just trying. Like it, he just sees it as a moment to to stand up and speak, where he's being. Like I, I wonder if Michael sees it in some ways as being the guest of honor, similar to the way that he saw the, yeah, sure. the business school appearance, like just an opportunity to talk. And if you give Michael any kind of dais, then he'll he'll get right. up and 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 really utilize it. I mean, he gets up and says like he makes a joke that doesn't make any sense. Um, it's great to be here at my age. It's great to be anywhere. And then he continues with like, "What I'm trying to show you is I have a sense of humor, and I implore you all to have a sense of humor." And he's trying to get them to yes. breathe, and everyone's just kind of waiting for yeah. him to finish. Um, there isn't that he's he isn't like winning the room over or anything, which is I think what he's and that's nice. kind of part like opening monologue if he was a talk show host, mm-hmm, like right. with anything. Yeah, he yeah. always is has that doing a little bit. Uh, he's always doing a little stand up <laughs> routine, and whenever he has the chance to do to have public speaking, which he must consider this to be public speaking, um, you want to speak- deliver an opening statement. <laughs> <laughs> Make it brief. Yeah. Speaking of uh, deleted scenes, um, we also get uh, um, Michael has an old sales trick i believe uh, that is uh, sticking, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. sticking uh uh like he calls them panty liners panty yeah. liners yeah uh, a, a maxi pad maybe <laughs> uh underneath yep. his armpits and you also get another deleted scene later where he's taking them out and slapping them down on the <laughs> countertop of the bathroom and it's such a hefty <laughs> <laughs> like soggy soaked with sweat like, <laughs> and when he takes them out there's still a giant circle of sweat in yeah. his armpits too there's um well that's that's a funny <laughs> thing about this one is that i like this is one that i actually very remember very clearly watching his deleted scene because it's so ridiculous or watching his deleted ridiculous. scene before the super fan cuts come back and, and then also like to think about keeping this in or removing it from the episode there are like three scenes that you have to keep in number one michael is in the store talking about how he, this is an old sales trick. And then the girl behind the, he says, strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But then, and then the clerk, like the girl at the counter, like gives him a smile. And then later he has to, he has the scene where you're talking about where he's changing it out. And then there's the, <laughs> there's another moment where the, um, I guess it's a stenographer has to read back. Can you, I'm sorry. I didn't get that. Can you read it back? I have to go change the panty liners in my armpits. Like it's on the record. Like it's. On- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything. All of it's on the record. Uh, w- one quick other extended cut part that happens here is uh, this is where we get Jan saying, uh, 
you know, Michael, Michael at the very beginning says right when they start, you know, it was not just termination. It was a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate behavior. Got to Jan giving us the, uh, there's plenty of things he's well above average at, like ice skating. He's a very good ice skater. Mm-hmm. Extended cut continues and uh, and uh, making scrambled eggs. I don't know what he does. They're amazing. Cut to Michael. <laughs> Put sugar in them. <laughs> like, like, so what gross. a wonderful little detail and it's so michael of course he does that's all he does with everything with food he just puts sugar in it yeah and like putting sugar in scrambled eggs that's gross you know one thing before we get too far from the whole uh panty landers in the armpits thing it reminds yeah. me of as well of steve carell i believe on jimmy kimmel in like 2004 or something i think he went on to promote 40 year old virgin or anchorman or something like that but the there was a story that i think where steve carell like came out and it was like one of his early late night appearances and he started sweating like a lot. Like he had a lot of flop sweat kind of going on mm-hmm. during his late night thing. So they take a break and what he did over the commercial break was just like douse himself in water to make it look like he was just sweating uncontrollably <laughs> when they came back from the commercial break. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> lean into it. Yeah. That, like nice. such a funny way to kind of lean into that. Cause yeah, you're talking about that big, the big uh, sweat marks or whatever, but yeah, just a very funny, silly little late night anecdote. Maybe you lost the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, I think I, I think I, I, I stepped on you earlier when you were going to mention that, uh, that Toby is also here oh, at yes. the deposition. Um, you didn't, you, you didn't you were step saying, on him. You kind of pushed the tray off the, t- the table. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Toby's here. I'm on your side. You know, you need an HR rep. I love them both so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, it's just, for me, the whole episode leads to that moment. Uh, I mean, everything that, I mean, we'll get to that, but the, I mean, Michael has a rough go of it here, but like, because there's a few scenes back to back and then it's just like this wildfire catches where suddenly he's made aware that his diary is there and then suddenly they're making 10. Could you make that 11 copies yeah. of his diary that is copied and distributed? <laughs> Much yeah. like Robert California's list. <laughs> suddenly yeah. everyone's <laughs> Michael, Michael walking into the lunchroom looking around and it's hushed tones. People with highlighters just circling going through his diary yeah. <laughs> another deleted so scene you get another deleted scene you get is somebody <laughs> just like randomly you see uh, another office at corporate and a guy just says to ryan like i read michael's diary and ryan's <laughs> like i don't want to talk about it it's and so, so it's like it's, it's way more than 11 people yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that thing got out I yeah, forget the teapot letter. I'd like I'd like my own copy of that entire diary. Yeah. Oh, diary. <laughs> Teehee. Mm-hmm. I love Tan the way that you, co- you compared it to Robert California's list. Funny how <laughs> when you read the journals, it's uh, tan almost everywhere. Jan almost everywhere. Yeah. Hee <laughs> <laughs> hee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dear diary, uh, what a week. <laughs> who's this? <laughs> who's this other woman, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, we we could probably break down a ton of the actual deposition itself, but mm-hmm. like as we've talked about, th- this is a situation we haven't really seen. Michael, like we've seen him, you know, we've seen his bosses uh, come down on him sometimes or be tough with him. We've seen him pressed into a corner sometimes, but in this case, 
where the mediator at the beginning says, Michael, you're not in trouble. And then in the extended cut later, the mediator says, now you're in trouble. Like seeing Michael in uh, like having legal ramifications and being pressed to like uphold, like he took an oath and has to tell the truth is really different. Like you just don't get to see this much. Mm. And watching the two lawyers dissect his every word. I mean, it happens over and over in this episode. Um, and Michael's kind of knows what's going on, but he's also still doing that's what she said jokes. Uh, he's still not totally following what's going along. It's it's just like, well, Michael's in a world of hurt here. That That is one element that I think is kind of removed with the edit for the the main the main feed or let's say like the the normal sure. inline inline episode is is like the sort of pressure that Michael is under gets kind of uh, removed and it's it's implied very well through the editing and everything but um yes. you don't have Michael's like you don't have Michael dealing with all the sweat um you also don't have the the mediator judge whomever saying like you're not in trouble just be honest and then later Michael is saying, wait, can I go back? Can I get a mulligan? And then he's the the mediator says, a mulligan, which would mean you've perjured yourself. <laughs> you've perjured yourself. And he said, I plead. <laughs> he says, I plead the first. I plead the first. You plead the right to free speech. <laughs> and then he says, Mister Scott, remember at the beginning how I said you were not in trouble. Now you're in trouble. So it, <laughs> yeah. it, it just it's it's like the the sort of pressure and stress of the moment is. It's implied in uh, in the normal cut, but it is very, very explicitly stated uh, here in the Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the record. Mm-hmm. First, can I go to the bathroom? It's all no. on. <laughs> I love that one because even even in reading back, he has to go to the bathroom again before yeah. he answers the question. That wasn't to go to the bathroom. That was to get out of a question. <laughs> you still have to answer it first. Can I go to the bathroom? No. <laughs> It's like it's like Michael interacting with the teacher in grade school and just having it read back again and again because because why why because yeah. Mhm. Um mm-hmm. uh I guess one thing that is interesting as well is that we see David Wallace kind of appear in the background of the deposition but in this we actually see him walk in and take a seat just to kind of yes. listen in. I think we also get to see them kind of change the venue which is um which is not something that we like as as they're getting ready to go, I think the uh, the opposing lawyer says we're actually going to go up to the boardroom on on the what she says twenty six or something like that. Oh right. And so there's this change of venue, and that feels like a little bit of a uh, of another stress factor for Michael and Jan. Kind of funny because it reminds us of a ne- negotiation tactic uh, that mm-hmm, Michael learns mm-hmm. when he goes in for the negotiation. Um, but just like it, this episode is full of, uh, or the extended cut of this episode, I should say, is full of a lot of little extra moments that contribute to like the realism of the episode but they don't oh God, necessarily yeah. flesh out the story per se um but yeah michael keeps kind of stumbling and making cans cans jace well jan's case worse mm-hmm. uh, over and over throughout this which is its own because th- that's the other thing is he has all the pressure from the legal side of this and he has all this pressure from jan too who's just glaring at him across the table this entire episode a woman he is terrified of and he like you know admits that oh this has been going on for two years since they first kissed since we mm-hmm. kissed sober four, four months after that so you start to get these like you go back to the darkness sean like four months they were hooking up never once sober it's like mm-hmm. oh man that's rough um and then later on it comes out that 
uh, he, he sort of talks about like, well, she was drinking a lot at the time. A lot of she was drinking a <laughs> lot of water. <laughs> yeah, uh, she couldn't drink because of all the pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cuts to Michael listing all these names of pills, and she's like, he's like, chances are, if you've seen an ad for pills on TV. They're in my baby's belly. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Well, Butrin, Xanax, God. Lunesta, yeah. Like a ton of them. So he's just like, man, Jan's been on a fucking ride, man. And um, all these things Michael just keeps sort of revealing, making it worse and worse for Jan. Well, um, here's another question that I've got for you guys that I thought about watching this episode or re-watching this episode is we understand from David Wallace when he when Jan is fired – like the things that David Wallace says, um, you know, you spoke in your office constantly. You're always going to Scottsdale as your sister. You're in Scranton way too much. Uh, frankly, it's overdue. Your time it is come to end your professional relationship with this company. He says all these things. Right. Jan is making this wrongful termination lawsuit, and she has Michael memorize all these things about a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate behavior. Do you guys feel as if it is ever understood or given or told to us exactly what Jan's case is besides... Michael talking about how she thought it had to do. This is what Michael says. She thought it had to do with uh, the twins. And then he asked to explain um, the courage to augment her boobs. This is what, I think is what he says. Who are the twins? Um, to be delicate, they hang off Milady's chest. <laughs> they make milk. You don't need to go any further. To be delicate. Her breasts. <laughs> yes. She thought it had something to do with her recent breast enhancement surgery. Yes. And frankly, the timing was nothing short of predominant. <laughs> um, that was a drop I cut for the top of the show. No, it's it perfect. One. But do you guys feel like you ever have an idea of what Jan's case is besides that? I think she's got a lot of... There's a lot of bitterness. I think replacing her with Ryan stung, and she was looking for any way to get back at Dunder Mifflin. I think she could probably... Her case might have rested on kind of what David told her, which is like, okay, smoking in my office... Being or visiting my sister or what like be like I guess you could say there's a case there but like you're allowed think, like you can fire people for performance issues right I think like, he also says that she's been very erratic I think she he says that as well yeah but still like you can you can terminate someone because of their performance issues like that's legal um I think that be, when Jan did get the surgery and a few other things happened she is looking at David and going, you're you're firing me because of all of this because you think I'm losing my mind or whatever. Um, because I'm dating Michael, I must be losing my mind. And in a way, she feels maybe deep down, she might also wonder those same things. But I think at the time, to save face, she's just like, I'm not crazy. Like, yeah, sure, you might disagree with how my personal life is, but this doesn't mean I shouldn't work here. Like, I think she probably is like, I'm good at my job. She probably was good at her job. Um, I mean, look at when the deposition, I've run out of carrots and I've run out of sticks when she's talking about Michael, mm -hmm. like she's, she's trying her best to like bring Michael along, um, and mm -hmm. get him to do his job that comes across in this episode. So I, I guess she might have a case there. It mm -hmm. is interesting that you bring that up though. Cause like I, I, when you watch this episode, it does feel like, Oh, like there's like, this is a, you know, a this is a 50-50. Like, if, if, you know, if Michael gets this right, she could win all this money. Mm -hmm. um, but you bring up a good point that it's like, not necessarily. It just, <laughs> like, 
so long as Michael doesn't blow it, she might still have a chance. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't. I don't really know what her case would be outside of, you know, I've been going through mood swings due to medication I've been taking due to the surgery and they've been insensitive to that and are firing me because of it. It it does seem a little strange to think that they're interviewing for her replacement before firing her or before like removing her from her position, yeah. you know? That's kind of weird yeah. where it's like there she's there with Michael and they're actively interviewing people. That might be happening. where she has a case actually, but there's no That's, mention that of that. Strikes me as strange. And like I also don't make I don't mean to make it sound like Jan has no case. It's just it's inter- I was just thinking about it like what is Jan's case? What is she really arguing here? Like what is the point she's trying to make besides the contract about them dating? Um, like there isn't, the, I, I'm right. just curious to what it would be. Cause she does say in the car, like, oh, it's such a boys club. Like, I'm curious, like to know what, what the actual, I don't know, circumstances would have been like, it was just, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, that can be part of it too. It's mm-hmm. just like, she's just sees a bunch of guys at the, at the high level and she's like, you're firing me in part because I'm a woman and I can tell, and I'm going to fucking sue you for it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Because because I got breast surgery, like that should have nothing to do with my job performance, which it doesn't. And she could start a case from there. I mean, I you know what? And she might not be she might not even be trying to win four million dollars. Like she, best case, maybe she's like we settle outside of this. We they like Donna Revlin doesn't want this to go to court. That's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, let's settle. Give me you know give me a fraction of that or whatever. Like that that could be her goal. Who knows. <laughs> It makes me think of <laughs> let's settle. That makes me think of um, the deleted scene where um, they're talking about the fact that they they produced the picture. Mister Scott, can you tell us about this photo that went out of uh, you and Miss Levinson. Which you forget, Smith. Jan never knew that had happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and um, they, but uh, Michael is talking to Jan about it, and he says, uh, "There was a time where you would have been considered out of my league. Look how the mighty have fallen into my arms." <laughs> I know, <laughs> fallen into my arms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment with Michael and Jan here. I, I want to make sure we, I, I mention, which is when they're um, when they're on their break uh, after lunch, and before they go back in, and Michael says, "You know, how can you give up my diary like that?" <laughs> I'm, I had to. I'm sorry. I put. I need to win this. We need to win this. You keep it under my side of the mattress. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the lump. I'm really upset about this. <laughs> I don't like the lump. They have that exchange. All right. I stole your diary and gave it to my lawyer. You e- gave it to my lawyer. You emailed a topless photo of me to everyone in our company. Let's call it even. Fine. I love you. I love you. <laughs> and the way they say that and walk away, that's probably the last bonding moment between those two. That's the last good moment between Michael and Jan. No and in that contact. moment, when they say that and they have that exchange, it feels like they're actually really like on the right, on the same team, and this is working, even though it's not. But uh, that's the last. That's the last like glimpse, flash of sunlight before the sunset with their relationship. Well, and there are little inflections of that throughout this episode, and a couple of which are included back in the deleted scenes. I think um, one when they change the uh, this is uh, one in the superfan cup, but when they change the venue to the different room. Jan says to Michael, "What do you, uh, up or down?" And he says, "Down." Like he, she's consulting him for this. You know, it's like it feels like a, right. a smaller moment between them, similar in tone to the one that you just mentioned. And then also at the end, when he's, "What do you want to do for dinner?" Oh, Chinese, I'm trying to save <laughs> some money. How about fast food? 
Fast food's fine. Fast food's fine. <laughs> Chinese was my oh, cheap. Chinese was it's, my it's cheap. It's funny how they have like they have a similar oh. feeling, but the tone is very different. You know. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, and she said, um, but again, after that scene I just said, that's where we get to. They dissect the performance reviews that he gets from both Michael or gets from Jan. And then eventually Jan brings in David Wallace's statement to be like, look, he this guy doesn't even care about Michael. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael really starts taking hits here. But she says, I'm out of carrots. I'm out of sticks. Mr. Scott has time and again proven himself to be an unmanageable employee and a poor branch manager. I recommend he be removed from that position and reassigned to sales where he belongs. Um and Michael kind of cry, cries a little bit after that. <laughs> um, and, and, but the, that's told to Michael to say, wouldn't you say her judgment is very seriously flawed? Um, I mean, Michael's just really being torn apart here. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone wants a piece of whatever little things he has to offer. Speaking of, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get to uh, David Wallace's uh <laughs> bit at the end here and i want to i want to i want to go over a few ping pong notes too totally we'll be right back all right welcome back uh so let's get to the david wallace part of the deposition um this is kind of the bombshell that uh that jan tries to drop and uh you know as as uh as they're reading it back to michael um you know we can hear in the transcript that david wallace you know, doesn't want to say that he doesn't want to, that he's not seriously considering Michael. Um, perhaps. Do me a favor. Don't send me those notes. <laughs> uh, perhaps David Wallace knows that, you know, this is being recorded and he just doesn't really want to be the one to be on record saying this. Uh, and he says, what do you want me to say? He's a nice guy. Um which is I'm here to talk about. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one of the like kind of uh, the sort of brutal elements of this episode is that Michael gets kind of pulled apart. Like he gets he gets skewered by both Jan and by Dunder Mifflin. Like Jan by reading the performance reviews, and then from the Dunder Mifflin side by hearing that he was not actually really being considered for David's job. Like that has to really really hurt because those are the two like most important things to him, and. Yes. You know, it's interesting the way that he's put in that position at the end where he has to decide and he says, absolutely not. And he ends up siding with Dunder Mifflin. And like that, I think probably is like the official end of him and Jan, even though dinner party happens later. Um, but like that's such a big inflection point for Michael. And you see David kind of give him, I don't know, the look that David Wallace gives him is really meaningful. And then he says, you know, Michael, we didn't intend for you to get caught in the crossfire here. But he says, David, I think you're a nice guy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, I think in the moment watching this episode in the, in the progression of the show, if you haven't seen the rest of the show, it is kind of a nice moment between Michael and David to some extent. But like when you think about what happens later with, uh, Michael Scott paper company, with the fact that David brings in Charles to manage Michael, like mm. it's really hard to think about how Michael is kind of being loyal to the company. And then the company within a season is like not loyal to him. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah, but before we move on from the from this A storyline, like I want to know what you guys think. Like, did Michael make the right decision here and choose Dunder Mifflin over splitting four mil with Jan? 
I don't think he was splitting it. I don't think he was getting any of that money. You don't yeah. think she was gonna stick stay with Michael if she won the four Not million? She was just she was using him for this. She was done. I don't know that there that's is. Like, oh yeah, I think that's there's probably uh, a lot of weight to that. Like it's hard to imagine that. This is like when Jan is um, in charge of the the phone book company. She's uh, she's a different person. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know that there is like a right decision here because like it doesn't seem like either party is in the right per se. Um, I don't know. I what I do think is that Michael makes a decision that is consistent with his character. Like I think the way that the episode is written is kind of like that Jan pulls out the diary and she had it prepared. And she said that she only pulled it out in response to the picture, but she had it ready to go anyway. Um, she so brought I, it with her to New York. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about the right decision, but it does make it, but it, but it is consistent with Michael's character, especially at this time that he would choose to go with Thunder Mifflin. So in that regard, I think it's true to the character. I, I think actually there's a simplicity to his choice there, which, which Edwin, you brought up in the end of Yeah. I think when he says, um, you know, hey, David, yeah, I think you're a nice guy, too. That clearly hit him on a really, really deep level, even in that transcript when David is just saying, what do you want me to say? Come on, he's a nice guy. I think that's all Michael really hears here mm. is that David, without Michael being there, when asked by, when asked in this setting, under oath, said, come on, he's a nice guy. I think like that's for him. It's like that's, that's more David than Jan has ever like, really showed me. I like him. Exactly. And that's Michael just like, yeah, you know, the company, that's why I'm here. Um, Michael's so lonely and so needs affection so much that just just hearing that is the difference maker, I think. He's stupid um, which, and he's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and all, you know, all Jan can say is he's a good ice skater and makes, makes good, good scrambled, scrambled eggs. eggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sugared scrambled eggs. Yeah. So. That's uh, you want to talk about you some tried, ping pong? Yes, but I really last thing I promise. Uh, well, no, I think on episode one hundred, Alex, you drank Scotch and Splenda. As uh, I did, yeah. So I think when we get, if we hit, uh, if and when we hit episode three hundred, you're gonna have to eat sugared scrambled eggs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, deal. That's a deal. <laughs> you got yourself a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go through that. We already did. We already mentioned some of the ping pong stuff. The others. It's really the only other storyline here. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said in the extended cut, they do do a good job of cycling most of the other characters. You see almost every other character in the office play ping pong against Jim and get kind of wrapped up in mm-hmm. what's going on. Obviously at the heart of this is Daryl and Jim playing down in the warehouse. Sounds like a lovely day. I would love to be there. Mm-hmm. I hope to be a part of it one day. Uh, I, okay. I got a, I got a few notes here. I think uh, on the ping pong itself, uh, Daryl kind of has a modified pencil grip, which I didn't notice until this. I thought he was holding it normally, the paddle, until this. Looking at it closely, was like, oh, he actually has a tiny pencil grip going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of, I sort of play with the similar grip myself. As Edwin knows, he's been on the losing end of my hand <laughs> on a ping pong table dozens and dozens of times. Um, <laughs> uh, I only say that's the only paddle sport I'll ever, I could ever, ever compete with at. Uh, <laughs> So I'll take what I can get there. <laughs> uh, at the very beginning, when Daryl beats Jim, and they're like, all right, let's go again. Daryl does a spin and a point. It's the exact same <laughs> one on the conference room, drunk fall on the table. He does <laughs> ha, the exact yes. same move. I oh. really enjoyed seeing that. Um, and I like when Pam kind of 
gets up in Jim's face after he loses, and she's like, I'm dealing with a lot from Kelly right now. Like, <laughs> I, I need you to beat Daryl. The way Jim just says, oh, I can't beat Daryl. It's just <laughs> so just like, no, not going to happen. Um, I just love that. I, I just love that moment. Um, I have a lot more notes, but but what do you think about the ping pong? What, what else did you see? What did you like? Well, I think the biggest difference with the extended cut is you get so much more trash talk from Kelly. And it's very yes. funny. I, I think that's one thing, like you talked about darkness. And I don't think like darkness is the right word at all to describe this per se, but like it is meaner um, to include all of Kelly's trash talk in, mm. in one cut of the episode. Because it's a lot. Like it's clear like they write like a ton of options and takes and have her say them all. And then they kind of, they edit it around it or edited it down to a few to make it seem yeah. the most impactful. But um I think what was the, uh, I'm trying to think of what like some of the more memorable ones. She says like, hopefully he's not that inaccurate in bed. Otherwise, your oh, nightstand's gonna get pregnant. Yeah, I hope he's not that inaccurate in bed. Or your nightstand is gonna get pregnant. That is... <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Come on, <laughs> uh, that one's crazy. There's just I, I mean she's talking smack the whole she's talking smack the whole time. I wish we could have gotten more of this kind of wit from Kelly throughout the show. Like, not that she doesn't have it, but like, if she shows it here, like, I wish she could have done it a little more in like conference room meetings or to Ryan. Like, mm -hmm. I, I would have loved to hear her give some of this to Ryan when Ryan is treating her poorly. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Or just like when she's, when Pam's leaving the bathroom and Kelly's going in and she doesn't get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And Pam just like lets Kelly go in. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, I loved seeing all that, and it's it was just yeah, it was kind of felt out of the blue for Kelly to just suddenly be this like mean. But I think it is. I'm kind of on Kelly's side with this, and I'm kind of because it's like yeah, it's fun. They're just talking trash, and Pam takes it a little too personally and seriously, and brings Jim into it. It's all good fun, but but I do think Kelly's having a lot more fun with this than Pam is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. did like too that uh, you know. I mean, this is. Uh, this is season four. Uh, Jim and Pam are still kind of a, a new thing. And uh, it was nice to have an episode where the drama isn't related to them being in yeah. like, you know, will they, won't they or anything like that. It's just literally like them against Kelly and Daryl in the very low stakes battle of ping pong in the warehouse. Like... <laughs> So that was, yeah. it, it was nice to see that. It was nice to see them like doing their Jim and Pam thing of like, you know, taking mm -hmm. something very silly, very seriously. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. The other thing is the ping pong plays a role with everyone. I already mentioned this, but like it starts with Kevin, who's sort of led into the room first, into the conference room oh, with the makeshift. Nice. Nice. Which I think is very awesome. much. Yeah, Very much it. out of everyone in the office, they go to they go to Kevin first. Like Kevin and Jim have a friendship around sport, based totally in sports, mm -hmm. and it just that's the first one. Um, hmm. What later else do you on, like you see. Her. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, Getting you bad get, up, Jim. You see, you see Phyllis and Stanley having their kind of friendship. Uh, they go in there for a little bit. That's my favorite um, one. I that one's I, awesome. Yeah, because they're just having fun. And like, he's, Stanley says, booyah. He's, she says, why would I pick it up? It's closer to your side. And Stanley kicks it over to her kicks, side. Like, yeah. it's, it feels the most like actually friendly competition. And it's nice to see. I always like seeing Stanley and Phyllis moments. Like the high five. Like, yeah, there's just it's uh, great. It's great. Yeah. 
um andy deal obviously dealing with his anger and a game like ping pong <laughs> uh but i will say this you could tell ed helm ed helms plays and is good at ping pong just on the kind of way he's holding it and swinging it and he's kind of missing on purpose mm-hmm. but i could just tell by the way he hits it it's just like yeah that guy that guy is actually good he can play i mean um, and that andy says that it's totally cut from the main episode but he talks about growing up He's like, he's very good at ping pong because he was on a lot of cruise ships as a kid. And then yeah, um, I love too that like Andy starts to get upset and Jim says, you're not going to punch a table or me or anything, are you? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love. They're very. Yeah. Also, that's a great way to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. Jim. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I it's it's like. It's funny how strategic they are with mentioning Andy's anger problem. Like they just kind of let it show up again without ever like addressing like, yeah. you know, it isn't until like angry Andy later on where he says like, uh, we should also remember that that man, that that man has an anger problem. I'm sorry. That's from the duel, not um, angry Andy. But mm, yeah. still, yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping that Jim was going to say to the cameraman, because in that scene, after he says, you're not going to punch me or a table or anything, are you? He looks to the camera. I was kind of hoping he was going to like interact with the cameraman and be like, you're going to have to protect me, you know? Yeah, Brian yeah, the Boom sure. Guy might have been might have been called in four seasons early, yeah, five seasons early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oscar is always kind of trying to look in and just see what's going on, but he never <laughs> actually goes in there. Yeah, and then of course Dwight. We haven't even mentioned Dwight yet, mm-hmm. uh, who just gets a few scenes in this whole episode, but they're great. Um, All his heroes. He has to tell him that it's first. He has to beat someone in a sales call, just so Dwight won't rat on him or something. And mm-hmm. then they play. It turns out Dwight's amazing. Yes, we learn all of his childhood heroes. Fantastic list of names. Mm-hmm. First time he left. This that would be the, such a good trivia question for someone is what why what was the uh, the first time Dwight left Pennsylvania? What was it for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was to go to what's his name Andre Gruber's Andre like, Gruba something. induction in the International Pong Hall of Fame retirement ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I just love when Pam is like, do you think you're ready to play Daryl? And he's like, yeah. And, and Dwight's like, wait, Daryl is the client? No, no, no. <laughs> Idiot. He, wor- he works, he works here. here. Dumbass. He, here he goes. You work. He works here, dumbass. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's so good. Yeah. Um, um, the only other person. Earworm I, I have. Oh, yeah. Big earworm from this. Really quick, but big earworm from this episode is just bring me players. <laughs> Jim says, "Bring me players," and looks at I the like camera. That. I love it. The only other thing I think we mentioned that we haven't mentioned is uh, Creed, who learned to play in Cambodia oh, and thinks it's strip pong. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Oh, and Meredith, we see Meredith just kind of leaving the room. Don't <laughs> patronize you know, me. <laughs> you know what else? Okay, one yeah. other thing. She gets this is in both main feed and super fan episode when Kelly and Pam are going to play their deciding game, they go P O they keep missing that second ball. Mm-hmm. But to start ping pong, as you start a rally P I N G or P O N G. That was my question. I always played P I N G. Me too. Yeah. Me Maybe too. it's regional, but yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Soda, you know what we're talking soda versus pop. Yeah. We would do a P I N G at the, yeah. At the at the Chasm House, mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh man, a lot of pong mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. The only um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to mention about ping pong, but the only other thing we didn't mention is from the very beginning of the episode, which is a cold open. Um, oh yeah, 
where uh, Pam is handing Michael post-it notes uh, and many, he doesn't get that many calls. So she has to kind of make them up every 10 minutes. I think this is a, a, a such a classic uh, cold open and uh, is also the inspiration for some of the best office tattoos I've ever seen, which is the Hiya Buddy hot dog mm-hmm. <laughs> on the post. Yeah. I'm glad you got it this time because we did have someone on Instagram message us once that we always get it wrong and say, hey, buddy, instead of Hiya Buddy. So <laughs> good on you for getting that correct for Hiya Buddy. Yeah. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Uh, yeah. I And, and it. it it, it's another one of those jokes too that I think took me years to realize that he says hi ya buddy on the phone after reading hi ya buddy on the post-it mm-hmm. note. I don't think I made that connection for a very long time. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> also when he's in the room with Ryan and she comes in, Ryan's in the middle of telling him like how, he's like, like I can get Michael, you a how tutor. Many times, I need you to know how to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always wonder what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, PowerPoint. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be. PowerPoint is boring. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's the whole episode, there, fellas. Mm-hmm. I think there that does it. Let's um. Let's take a quick break and we'll go to the conference room. Come on. Skid our shower on conference room. Choppity chip chop. I don't even know if we already did take the break. But now we're in the conference dive room. Right let's now we we're in the are. conference room. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, we've already been going here. It's late for Sean and I, but we're we're still going to hit a couple questions here that we put up on Discord in the Scott's Tot channel. Uh, oh, another reason. Jo- join the Discord, by the way. Join the Scott's Tot channel. You don't have to be a Scott's Tot though to join our Discord. Get involved. It's fun in there. Toast Talk channel never fails to disappoint me. <laughs> mm-hmm. The pictures now, people are just sending in uh, great photos. Uh, we've been putting in photos from our travels when we go out there. Mm-hmm. The Toast job role play. Is... Yeah, go ahead. The job role play channel. I tell you what, some dust got blown off that one and it's it's been popping. It's everything I hoped it would be. Nice. It's just people leaving work messages in there. It's great. Toast Talk, um, in case you're wondering, is literally people posting pictures of toast. But they look delicious. So, mm. And they should. Um, all right, let's let's start here uh, f- from Large Tuna, um, who asked, "Does anyone have a good story from being in a courtroom? Has anyone served jury duty before?" Uh, I have it, but I know Sean. I know you have. I have indeed. Uh, I was on a week long sexual assault case. <laughs> oh, so. So it Were is you found guilty story, or not guilty? Nice. No, I mean, I guess my I only never got caught. Neither. <laughs> my only fun, uh, my only fun part of that or fun story is that I ran into our old uh, friend Elizabeth Fagan, uh, who was also called to jury duty oh, right that on. week, and we just no kept way. getting called to the same courtrooms and like not getting on the jury. Until the end of the right. day, when we both ended up in the same courtroom, and it kind of seemed like it was like you could just kind of feel that like most of the people in the room were not going to get picked for the jury, and it was like ah crap, like we're probably a viable like I'm probably a viable pick, <laughs> and then she definitely just started answering questions to like sabotage herself and get out. <laughs> and and uh and i i i couldn't i answered honestly and i got picked and then i had to be there all week <laughs> <laughs> uh 
but I just remember very clearly just like her like walking out and like I had to go sit in the like in the jury box. It's just like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, you know, that's uh, pull a you, Liz you both Lemon. had acting power. You both had acting powers in your <laughs> right. pocket. And she she was able to use it at the right time. <laughs> I had one instance of jury duty where I got called in or summoned, I suppose, uh, the it was the day before Thanksgiving. And mm. I I appeared and it was kind of this thing where there's this weird tension because like obviously no one wanted to get called for a case right before the holiday and to see how that would interact with, you know, um it was just a weird time to be called in for jury duty. Um mm-hmm. and we were all waiting and then at a certain point, like a, an hour or two into waiting to hear if anything was gonna get called, somebody came out and they're like yeah, they're not going to hear any cases today. So everyone, uh, you're all free to go. And uh, because you appeared here today, you're off for at least two years. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's See, great. That's yeah. The, yeah. That's the thing, too. Everybody told me they were like, you're not going to get picked for a jury. Like, it never <laughs> happens. Never. <laughs> was that Sean, one of the questions? If I was on trial, I'd want, you on my, I'd want you on my jury. Well... If you were if you were the defense, you would not want me on your jury because uh, you was guilty. When they asked you questions to see if you were going to be a viable juror, did they ask you? In, please answer honestly here. In the lead up to this, did many people tell you that you would not be selected for a jury? <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, I plead the first. How how long did you have to deliberate, or how like what was the actual? For, for the process did were there, was there any disagreements were there any yes. how, how was the juror relationships there were disagreements um had you ever met ernesto had you ever tried his tasty meat pockets yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i don't even know how much you could talk about this right <laughs> I think I can, I think I can say anything I want about it um uh, <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do I? No, uh, so, I? so it was it was interesting. It was it was a, a sexual assault case with two young people, uh, a, a man and a woman, and and um, and it was kind of one of those things where you know you you might have like le- it's like I don't know. It seems like maybe they were into each other, and then you know something went wrong. But at the end of the day, it was like, ah, man, like the the story is pretty consistent that like she said no. And like mm. and that's that's kind of where it's it should stop. Like, that's it. That's breaking the law. And we had and it was like everyone. The jury was kind of split between like young men my age and like older women in their like 60s and like. Two very the, specific all, groups, uh, for real. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was, and it was like all the all the young men, like we'd all been through, like you know, college, like consent, like seminars, and like uh, you know, all these things. And like it was all the all the women in their sixties who were like, you know, I just think that like you know, she should have known better, and you know, it's, it's like <laughs> oh, it's like ah oh, man, well. <laughs> It's thing is, that is that's money. actually not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So there you go. That's my interesting. Uh, that's my fun jury story. Did you convince those? Sounds fun. Did convince, yeah. <laughs> did you convince all those old ladies? <laughs> uh, we did. <laughs> Alex, how about you, man? Any uh, jury duty stories? No, I've just been summoned once, but yeah, I didn't get picked. Just kind of sat in a room and then it was like, all right, all these people can go. There was not even any questioning. I didn't even get past mm-hmm. the first round. Wanted to. I would love to. Love to be a part of one someday. How about you, Edwin? <laughs> uh, I told my story. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, all good. All yes. good. Do we have any other questions, Alex? Yes. Quick, a couple quick ones here. Um, uh, from from Kayla, shout out to shout out to our girl Kayla. Since they read from Michael's journal, have any of you done any writing in your journals? I have the Kevin and Dwight journals. Been writing to Dwight more than Kevin lately. Thought I'd just open this up. Have you guys in your life have you kept a journal have you ever had a had you ever done that in any consistent way when i was younger uh, a little bit did some journaling yeah like uh high school age um a little bit but not not in quite a while uh i like to keep a sketchbook but not not uh not a journal i've never that's always like something that's always so fascinating to me, like reading true or like listening to true crime stories mm. and how often uh, people are like keeping journals and diaries. I'm just like, do are, are people I know doing this? Like, I don't <laughs> I didn't realize that anyone was like mm-hmm. keeping a log of <laughs> of what they yeah. were doing. But no. And and, you know, Kayla, I actually I, we do need to write in our books. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and use the quotes as prompts. Um, yeah. Oh, nobody's nerfed. Alex is holding his nobody's. I got the Kevin nobody's nerfing yeah. up right now. Mine is uh, I, I am Beyonce always. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, Sean. You keep a sketchbook where it's like I, there's times I've kept an audio diary where I just kept recordings. Mm. Um, usually Captain's when I'm on log. trips. Yeah, straight up. Um, I've done backpacking trips, uh, both with people and by myself, where. I try and like just recap the day. Like I'll land the tent and just like do that. And I, I, I got in the habit of that for a while. Um, back when I was doing a lot more audio, like making fun little audio things. I was like, oh, I could do something with this. And then you're listening back later and like, this is completely uninteresting, barely even to me. So, um, but I, I've never really been a committed journal writer. My dad is a big, big journaler. He writes every day. And uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he does. I and then I, I took a, a playwriting class back in high school. It's a favorite class I've taken, and every class started with a morning minute where you just uh, our teacher would just say go, and for a minute you just you just have to start writing and you cannot stop or take the pen off the paper. Like mm-hmm. even he's like even if you're if even if you don't know what to write and you're go blank, just write a word over and over or just something. Like, just don't stop writing. And I really enjoy that exercise. Um, and I need to be in a class where they make me do that again. Because <laughs> I will not do it on my own. I always enjoyed uh, our English teacher, Mr. Benware, uh, would do sort of a similar, like, starting every day with a writing prompt. And uh, I do miss that. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that as well. You know, it's funny though. Actually, you mentioned with the audio diary that makes me realize that, like, maybe I don't do a lot of like journaling, like, like physically writing, but I do have like a very strange selection of Google Keep notes where I will write down, like, just like type in really random things that come to me, um, like while I'm 
around or traveling or something like that. And like, it's just a very funny series of notes or things that strike me as very funny. Um, like, uh, or like a weird idea or something like I'll write, I'll write that down or something that like I think of for our show or whatever. Um, mm. it's just a bunch of very random Google keep notes, but that's, it's probably the closest to a journal as I actively keep, you know? Hey, any money's good money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's last one any fun mnemonic devices that you've ever used you guys ever you ever i used to use them as a lot as a kid but do you ever do the anything like that like like how michael uses them to to remember what he's supposed to say like um yeah i don't know (laughs) if i've you know what i will do sometimes ever used a mnemonic device it's not well. I remember uh, in high school, like the quadratic equation, um, mm. we had like one, like mm. x equals negative b. Da, 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 da. Like um, I remember that one, and I could still do it. But uh, the other thing, sometimes I'll have to remember a string of numbers, like a phone number or something, and I like make it into a mm. song in my head so that it helps me remember. That's what I would. Yes, do. the little songs. I yeah. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Also, if, with names, I'll just take the if I if the first letter of a name if i'm learning them if i can arrange that in a word i will use it to remember a name like i do this when i get paired when i go golfing and i get paired with random people like just it just happened yesterday where i got paired with a charlie and andrew and a dean mm-hmm. and when they, as they said their names i thought like cad cat okay i'll remember that cat cat and i just like <laughs> did that in my head so i still do that with sets of names when i'm given like four names in a row mm-hmm uh, I I do think I still I still do never eat soggy waffles to to remember yep. east and west. You know that one. <laughs> never eat mm-hmm. soggy waffles. So it's like you go clockwise. <laughs> never eat soggy waffles. Okay, so east on the right, west on yep. the left. Every good boy deserves fudge. Mm-hmm. For a musical scale. Oh, nice. <laughs> Well, those are F-A the and good then, boy deserves fudge. It's so well, those are the those are the lines, and then F A C E is yeah. the other face for the yeah. Face, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Every good boy deserves fudge in their face. Mm. Um, Roy G. Biv is a is a classic. It's classic, dude. <laughs> these One are, of the these originals. Are, these are all these are all gold. Um, <laughs> you know what I found some in this in this list of it's random so late. Yeah, this, you know what I found on this list of random Google Keep Notes is I used to play this game, okay, in college called Log Lines, okay, and a log line is like a two like a two sentence description that summarizes a movie, okay. Sure. You know where I'm going with this? No. <laughs> so I used to I used to in college I used to just kind of try to come up with like these like stupid movie ideas and then a log line to explain them. Um, so this one is just it's bait and switch, and it's a movie about a bait shop that's a speakeasy at night. <laughs> <laughs> And there was another, um, this one is Brass Knuckles, which is about a marching band that has a fight club. <laughs> like, sometimes That's I'll try to good. think, uh, I'll try to think of things like that. Yeah. So it's very, very stupid, but I found, uh, I found one in my notes here in my, it's my version of journaling. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. I love it. Um, I have one last thing before we close the show that we should mention. Sure. And we probably uh, a little overdue in mentioning, but uh, our friends are working on a short film, and Sean is working on it, and they have a GoFundMe. Yeah, and I think we should talk about this. Oh, we should talk about this. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, if 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 uh, Dog Days is is what it's called, 
Um, and uh, you can check it out on. Um, I should have this ready to go. <laughs> we'll I share a link yeah. on. Uh, we'll share a link on our our Instagram for sure, so you can check it out and look at the and can please consider donating to the GoFundMe to help make this movie. Yeah, our our good friends uh, Emily Martz and Pat Higgins. Uh, it's it's really their project. Uh, and they came up, they wrote a really funny script during uh, COVID and it's going to be a super fun short film. We're going to be filming it in uh, July. So in less than a month, actually, which is kind of nuts. We were just scouting uh, this past July. weekend and uh, <laughs> the perfect time for apple Boy. pie. <laughs> 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 so... Uh, so yeah, please, uh, check it out. Dog days. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll post it. We'll post the link on our, on, on our Instagram. Take us home, buddy. All yeah. right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you, uh, want to call us and leave us a message, because I do believe we have a voicemail episode coming up soon. Uh, yes, that number will. is five Oh three, six, nine, four, nine, three, one, four. Uh, you can also email us at mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. That's a great way to send us trivia, which we are overdue for doing. So I've got yep. some trivia in uh, in my pocket for uh, for next time. But uh, <laughs> but please, uh, we, we need some fresh trivia. Send it our way. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. And we're on patreon.com slash michaelscott. Join us and become a Scott's Tot. You get access to our Discord. Uh, you get uh, ad-free main feed episodes and a mailbag episode special, exclusive, every month. Uh, we donate a portion of those funds to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. So, so a very special thanks to our Scott's Tots for supporting our show. We love you very much. A special thanks to Kayla and Brianna, who run our Discord. Uh to Ryan Lloyd, who designs our artwork. Uh, this episode was recorded on location in Portland, Oregon, and Zurich, Switzerland. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, thank you for supporting the show, spending a little time while we talk about The Office. Uh, it gives us the energy to keep going every week. Um, and uh, we just truly, truly appreciate it, everyone who listens and interacts with us. Um, take care. Stay safe. More tomorrow. XOXO, Michael. Pippity Poppy, give me the sign. Yes, sir. Who I want to take me home? I know who I want to take me home. Take me home. You know what? Fine. I try to start fun traditions for you guys, but if you don't want to sing, no traditions. Closing time. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings and good night. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.